Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 1039. I'm so glad that you're listening today because if you have an opportunity, please turn in your Bible or when you get an opportunity, turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 12. And I want to look at two verses, one and two. Now, I've done podcasts on this before, but I want to come at this from a different angle. It's so important in relation to understanding the Word of God and how important it is that we get things in order. Now, I've been talking to you in this series about really not getting the cart before the horse. I talked to you about service and doing and all that we do with activity. It is so important that we understand that being comes before doing. And if you're going to understand the Word of God and be obedient to it, there has to be a point in your life as a child of God where you come to a point of understanding that Jesus doesn't want to be a part of your life. He wants to be your life. Paul said, for me to live is Messiah, is Christ. To die is gain, but while we're alive, Jesus is to be our life. Very much like when the children of Israel came out of Egyptian bondage, when they came to Mount Sinai from that point on for 40 years, They traveled from place to place, and every time they moved was when God said move. In other words, he would, if it was at night, the pillar of fire would begin to leave the camp and head in a direction. That was their signal to start breaking down the tabernacle, the portable worship center, and they had a certain way to do that. Everyone had their own responsibility. Every one of the Levites had a certain responsibility. Every one of the priests had a certain responsibility, and they enacted that. It was a logistical miracle. And if it was in the daytime, then the pillar of fire would not be there, but it would be a cloud that overshadowed them that would start off in a certain direction, and they were to follow. This is very important because when they set up camp, they always went first to the place where the pillar of fire would stand by night or the cloud by day. And wherever it stood, that's where they built the tabernacle. And the entire camp was centered around the tabernacle. In other words, the tabernacle was the guiding force of everything that went on because that represented the presence of God. This is very important because Jesus wants to be the center of our life. God himself wants to be the center of our life. And everything in our life is to be gauged according to God himself. In other words, we are to develop our life and govern our life based around the presence of God and the word of God in our lives. And so when Paul comes to the 12th chapter It's that therefore chapter. When it ceases to be just about doctrinal things, he's talked about that for 11 chapters. And now he says, here is how you enact this in your life. He said, brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God, all that God's done for you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now that's an aorist tense. Now that doesn't mean just a simple past, but the idea of an aorist tense 
is unlike the present. It's unlike a simple past because it has the concept of wholeness. Arist is the tense that looks at everything as a snapshot, as a point in time, yes, but as a whole. And many times it's used like that. So what he's saying is there has to be a point that we come to in our lives to where God becomes the center of our lives. You say, well, I thought that happened when you got saved. Well, ideally it does. But many times after we're saved, we begin to grow and learn things. And as we learn things, we come to a point of more maturity when we say, Lord, there are areas of my life that I've not surrendered to you, so I want to surrender my life to you. That's what he's saying. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Only the people of God did that in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, only the child of God can do that. And so we come to a place to where we say, God, I want your very best for my life. Now, the way we know that very best for our lives is not through some spiritual osmosis. No, it is by getting into the Word of God. God into the Bible and finding out what God's will is and having your mind made up to do it before you even know what it is. In other words, you go to a blank sheet of paper and you sign your name and let God fill in all of the details. That's right. You trust him that much. And so he says, this is acceptable to God. It's our logical, reasonable worship and life. But then he says how to do it. He says, stop being pressed into the world's mold. That's what do not be conformed means. It means stop living by the world's schematic. That's the word. Don't live your life by the world's outline. Don't live your life by your own thoughts. Your thoughts are corrupt. Your heart is evil, and only God can give you direction. And you and I will mess it up every time, so that's why we've got to go to the objective truth. Now, you say, well, the Spirit of God lives in me. Yes, and we can misread the Spirit of God. But the Bible is objective truth. It's the same for everybody, any age, any time, and it never changes. The Word of God is the same forever because it is the written Word. Jesus is the living word. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. And so the written word is the same. The flower is going to fade, the grass is going to wither, but the word of our God will stand forever. That's what the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 40. And so I'm telling you this because this is how it happens. You've got to make up your mind. You're going to allow the word of God to renew your mind. Now, the word renew is the word, it's a compound word, ana and kainos. Kainos has to do with a new development, a renewal, something new to make fresh, in other words. And the word ana is an intensifier. It means above or up. And it's the idea of completing a process. In other words, we allow God to change us through our minds, through our thought processes. And the way our thought processes are changed is by a habit of getting a truth into our minds over and over again. It becomes a part of us. Now, many people will talk about that in relation to Scripture memory. Scripture memory is good, but that's not the idea. The idea is Scripture saturation, of meditation, what I talked to you about yesterday and the day before. And that is that you saturate your mind with the Word of God. How does that happen? Through repetition of reading, studying, reading, studying, but not just reading and studying, but reading, studying, and applying, and then teaching. Reading, studying, and applying. That means obedience and then teaching it. This, again, is the Ezra principle. Ezra wanted to not just see God. He sought God through reading Torah. That's what he did. Ezra set his mind to know what God said in Torah. 
and the instruction of God. Now, the word Torah doesn't mean law. It means instruction. It contains the law. This is so important, but it is instruction on how to please God. What pleases God? They were never saved as Israelites by keeping the law. No, the law showed them that they couldn't do it, and God laid down what he wanted them to live like, and they didn't do it, and that's why they had to sacrifice over and over. And that sacrifice could never take away sins. The blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 says. But the reason they did that was to show that they believed that one day God would send a perfect sacrifice that would take away their sin. This is so critical that we understand that. How did I know that? By reading the Word of God over and over and over again. Why am I quoting these scriptures without looking at them? Just simply because they're a part of my life. How did they become a part of my life? By allowing God to form my thoughts and to renew my mind by reading it, reading it, reading it, studying it, studying it, studying it over and over and over again. Repetition is the mother of learning. And it's not just memorization. Now, let me tell you a story, and it really happened to me, and I won't tell you. When I went to Dallas, Texas in the mid-70s to go to school, I had just come out of heathendom. I didn't grow up in church. I grew up out of church, and I grew up very wicked in my mind and very vile and immoral and ungodly and everything that I don't even want to tell you about. And so after I got saved, my mind was still warped, and it was filled with all kinds of things that the devil and my flesh would crave to go back to and tempt me to go back to that. And so when I got to Dallas, I realized that I'm there. I'm a thousand miles away from home or whatever and I needed God more than ever and because I didn't have a real support system there. And so I just started reading the Word of God. And I said, God, show me how to cleanse my mind. Well, I read in Psalm 119 the question, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And the Bible says, by obeying the Word of God. Well, in order to obey it, you got to know it. And so I started reading the Bible over and over again. And I started reading books like the book of Ephesians. I would read it, then I'd read it again, then I'd read it again. I would read the book of Ephesians maybe 20 times, 30 times, like for a whole month. I'd just read the book of Ephesians because I needed the truths that were in there. And so I was asked to preach out in Greenville, which is about 50 miles east of Dallas. And so when I left home that Sunday morning, this was without knowing any of what I'm telling you right now. I just lived it out. And I had asked God to cleanse my mind because I was waking up with nightmares of filth and ungodliness, not even thinking about anything like that before I went to bed or anything. It was just the old mindset that was just ugly and filthy and immoral. And so I knew that I needed to live in obedience to the Word of God. So I would read the passages of scriptures like the book of Ephesians about being saved, about it was through grace that we're ordained to works of righteousness and that I'm not to live the way I once did. I'm to take off the old man, put on the new, all of those wonderful passages in the book of Ephesians. So I just read it, read it, not trying to memorize anything. And so I started out for Greenville on that Sunday morning and I thought, well, I'll just, you know, things start coming into my mind that were filthy. And I started quoting the book of Ephesians and I just started in chapter one, verse one. And before I got to Greenville, I had already quoted the entire book word for word. All six chapters. I didn't try to. I didn't memorize it, anything. I had read it out loud so much that it became a part of who I was. And so I didn't have to try to recall it. It was just there. 
And so I started doing that with book after book after book, and God began to cleanse my life. In other words, my thoughts were filled with the Word of God rather than the filth of my past life. And the temptation was not what it was because God was cleansing me, and that old filth was getting out of my mind. So what we put in to our minds is going to determine how we live. And so what God says is that we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We need to make a decision that we're going to do what God wants us to do. You say, well, I've already done that. Well, if you've gone back on that, repent of that, turn back to where God brought you from and remember that. Don't allow the world to form your schematic. That's the word there. Don't be conformed. Stop being molded. Now, the Romans were obviously being molded by the world, so Paul said, stop doing that. That's the particular tense and imperative here. And so he said, stop being pressed into the world's mold, into the world's blueprint and schematic, because see, the devil has a blueprint for your life and a will for your life, just like God does. And you don't want to choose the devil's way because it ends in death. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. And so he said, don't allow that to happen anymore, but be transformed, metamorphosized. That's what happens for an old caterpillar or a worm that cocoons up, dies in a sense, and there is a new beautiful butterfly. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to take that old worm that's inside of you and make it into a beautiful butterfly and set it free for you to fly. That's what God wants to do. And you do this by renewing of your mind, and then you will test out and prove out what is the acceptable and the perfect will of God for your life. That's my prayer for you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Chris. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.